You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics, and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 310. I'm your host, Andra Spinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Annika Harrison and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Hello! Hey, Sanaisan! How are you guys? Oh, excited to well, be back! Yeah, yeah, yes. of course. From last week, that is. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. Finally, a new episode. Well, I've got a sore throat. <laughs> oh, sore throat? Any COVID warnings? Yeah. Probably not, <clears throat> as it's only the throat, nothing else. All right, so, okay. But we also can't get tested here in Australia. Like, you can get PCR tested, but the results take so long that we will already be in Germany when, when the result is back. Yeah, so, <laughs> so no point. Either yeah. recovered or died before you get the results. Will you have any difficulties getting back to the country? I mean, into to Germany? Uh, if it's a positive test, then yes. But of course, yeah. I assume it's not positive because no one else has any symptoms. And I'm here with my uh, mother and father-in-law, my daughter and my husband, and none of them have any symptoms. Yeah, right. Okay. I, it shouldn't be. Yeah. It's not the same here, I can tell you. My son came home from school today. And uh, just after he came home, there was an email from his teacher saying, we have to inform you that your son has been in contact with people who have tested positive for COVID on the 19th and the 20th of January. So if your son has any symptoms, you have to blah, 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 blah. And so I went up to his room and asked uh, Leo, how, how do you feel? Dad, I have a headache and I feel maybe no, I have yeah, a little, yeah, yeah. Of, maybe I have a fever as well. Uh-oh. So long story short, we can't get a PCR test until two days time. We had a couple of these uh, antigen tests at home. So we tried both of them. The first one, I think he fumbled it a little bit. Wasn't enough of saliva on the actual thing. And we both think that we saw the second line right. for, a okay, short, okay. for a short time and then it sort of disappeared. So, okay, let's do another one. We did another one. That one didn't react. But we also know <laughs> that these antigen tests very often yeah. do not pick up the coronavirus. So, yeah. uh, but he has all the symptoms. He has, uh, he has the history from school saying he has been in contact with people he says one third of his uh, class is not at school because they're sick. Wow. Not not all of them have confirmed COVID, but that's because partly because there's no tests to have be had. So I'm pretty certain he has it. He has had two shots, so and he doesn't feel too bad. So I don't. I'm not worried as such. But we are now going officially going into quarantine in the Berkman family. Just in case, and then we'll see on. Ah, uh, so you're quarantining yourselves yeah. voluntarily? Yeah, uh, if we do that. Family. Yeah, I think that's the the sensible thing to do. Yeah, and especially then... that I, I I was going to say that you're probably not going to be able to avoid getting infected yourselves with uh, Omicron. If it's Omicron, then he, he just looks at you, and then you're done. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's that's like right, that's right. So I'm 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 I have had my booster as well. So I've I'm mm-hmm. triple good. vaccinated. Good, good. My wife is getting uh, her third shot on Thursday. We'll see the day before our this show comes out. I we'll see how it works out. I'm not worried, but I'm pretty sure he has the COVID. Fucking hell. Yeah. Nah. Well, I think we'll yeah. all get it good. sooner or That's later. We'll good. all get it. That is sort of unavoidable now. Okay. You know, you you should just hit us with some good news. <laughs> Yes, actually, Instead. I have good news. Uh, as, <laughs> good. as I mentioned last week, I was to appear on the Skeptic Zone with Richard Saunders. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. I have <laughs> appeared on the Skeptic Zone. So we'll link to that uh, episode in the in the show notes. I had a lovely time talking to Richard. and uh, So you actually made a proper prediction of you appearing on the show <laughs> that's right and that's you know and richard is very very hard on on getting the predictions right so see the great australian prediction project or psychic prediction project it was not a psychic prediction i did mess up though and richard doesn't know this i hope you're listening now richard i said something um, 
wrong on the on the interview. I said that uh, the Swedish vaccine hesitancy had gone down to three percent, but it's actually six percent. It's still down, but I, I gave him the mm. wrong number. Sorry, Richard, but <laughs> I was really wrong. So that's how it is. And you you didn't only mislead Richard, but his whole audience as well. So yes. shame yeah. on you. Shame yeah. on you. I feel very ashamed. I will, uh, <laughs> I don't know what I'll do, but uh, things happen and you have to own up to when you, I, I misread the I, I hope they, I hope not all of them will end up demonstrating on the streets oh. against all that. So. <laughs> right. So speaking of which, there have been demonstrations, I think all over Europe this weekend. Yeah, and also in in Stockholm, and the only thing you can say is that uh, well, I don't know what you can say about that, but what you can note is that wherever there's demonstrations, the Nazis show up. Oh yeah. So even in Stockholm, there was these. Uh, it's called NMR. I won't go into the Swedish thing, but it's basically the Nordic Resistance Movement. Well, you you can just hear what it, what they are talking. This, this, so they're protecting the Nordic Aryan race or something, and they were yeah, there, right. and they were there. I think it's interesting because they were there not just to wave their flags and their things. It's also to recruit new members. I think because they find Please. that within this population of people who are don't trust the government and all the conspiracy theorists that's where they can find new members mm. terrible oh god you know <laughs> that reminds me of something i don't know if i've told you but i managed to finish the manuscript for the i think you mentioned my, it last uh, week you were just in the last yes, uh, thing yeah. and i yeah i was finishing it so for for those of, of our listeners who don't know what i'm talking about i currently am participating in the writing of a book which is going to be a collection of essays on certain topics that are related to science the real world or not necessarily science science fiction and the real world how how they connect and I obviously chose the topic of uh, science and how important it is in the world of Star Trek. And I managed to finish it, but then started the correspondence uh, sending the manuscript back and forth with all the recommended changes and all that with the editor. So I've finished the first round of that. So I'm very proud of that. That's the first time I've done that. Mm -hmm. It was a really good experience, but I had to bring up an introduction of myself as well. All the authors will be introducing themselves. And the editor asked us to say something personal that connects us to the world that we are writing about. And what I, I said was, and that really comes from the bottom of my heart, that whenever I feel down because of how the world is developing these anti-science and pseudoscientific thoughts and all the madness that's going on in politics as well, then I turn to the world of, of Star Trek because that gives me comfort. <laughs> and that's true. And that's true, actually. Yeah. And uh, if you consider the things that the recent developments in Ukraine as well, Oof. so I would not like to be a Ukrainian person right now. And it's crazy what's going on. And how mm. Putin, based on his political needs, he's playing his own people. Mm. He's massively manipulating his own people and spreads misinformation, spreads all the bullshit and everything. That's ridiculous what's going on in the world. I know I should not be alarmist in that regard. So there are so many good things as well. But COVID and politics, they have made a very, very weird turn lately. So I, I would, yeah. So, um, Sorry about that. I didn't want to. I didn't want to bring. <laughs> now you're depressed. So <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. we should take a pause during the recording, and you can go back and see one of the original series episodes, and then you, you can know, come I back, and we. We'll I will probably go there. Feel better. Yeah, <laughs> I will probably do that after the recording. Yeah, so <laughs> almost sure about it. But uh, before that, I think we should crack on with the show. So uh, see, see if we have something positive to talk about. As usual, we are going to start with Twish, or this week in Skeptical History. 
well, it's not strictly skeptical, but it's a bit of science history that is absolutely amazing. And the reason that we are celebrating today, on the 25th of January, as of this week, we are celebrating the 122nd birthday of someone who was born in Ukraine, by the way, mm -hmm. uh, current day Ukraine, uh, that belonged to the Russian Empire back then. Hopefully, won again. <laughs> but he was born by the name, okay, I'm going to try to pronounce this, Theodor Z. Grigorovich Dobzhansky. Jelena, where that are you? We need you now. <laughs> where are you? <laughs> so whoever can correct me on this uh, pronunciation, please do. We really love those corrections. Please send us your sound files correcting my probably terrible pronunciation of the name. <laughs> but he's uh, usually referred to as Theodosius Dobzhansky. And uh, why I'd like to mention him is because he's an amazingly big figure in genetics and evolutionary biology. By that, I mean that he wrote one of the first books that led to something that we currently call the modern synthesis of evolutionary biology. The book's title was Genetics and the Origin of Species, and it, it was published in 1937. By that time, he was already in the United States, where he went for the first time on a scholarship from the Rockefeller Foundation. So uh, some conspiracy theorists might be scratching their heads how to try to attack that person's legacy. But the legacy of Dobzhansky is absolutely amazing. So he started out his uh, biological career as a geneticist back in St. Petersburg in Russia, where he studied under Yuri Filipchenko, who was considered uh, one of the greatest experts of the country back then. And then he went on to work with other giants on, on the field on Drosophila. You know what Drosophila is? No, I can't say I do. It's a fruit fly. So drosophilas ah. are the fruit flies. So fruit flies are very frequently used in uh, genetic research because of uh, their very short life cycle and uh, they're very prolific. <laughs> so many demonstrations, even in education, they are being used for that purpose in the teaching of genetics. So back then, the, the interesting thing was that before his time and before the 1930s, there was a big problem in science with, uh, I mean, in biological science and, and evolutionary science and evolutionary biology. It all started with the publication of Darwin's work, The Origin of Species, and then came Mendel, Gregor Mendel's work on genetics. And Mendel found out that there are certain packages, there are certain things that we later started calling genes that are responsible for inheriting certain traits. But the connection was not made until around that time that uh, Dobzhansky came around. Mm -hmm. So he, he was not the only person, but he was the first to publish a book that made that connection. And all the findings of evolution by natural selection and um, population genetics and the Mendelian inheritance in the forms of chromosomes and all that was put mm -hmm. together in that book for the first time. And that led to all the big synthesis of, of the whole field of, of that science. And that is what we call the modern synthesis of evolutionary biology. So he was a great figure, but he was not without his uh, controversial site. He was a deeply religious person and uh, one of the other great evolutionary biologists, including Ernst Meyer, who was from Germany originally, they all ended up in America, obviously, partly because of the situation developing terribly in uh, some parts of Europe. Dobzhansky went over there in 1927. He just took an opportunity and uh, that was a great decision <laughs> on his part. But he came up with something else, and he has a very well-known phrase that he used in one of his latest books, and that goes, nothing in biology makes sense except in the light of evolution. That's very often quoted, and that's actually true. So that was the time with that synthesis when the whole of biology started making actual sense. So field biologists, geneticists in the lab, and all those people brought together their knowledge, made the fusion, 
And now we consider all that as a web of things that make biology make a lot of sense. Mm. Yeah. So not always skeptical, but occasionally very important um, pieces of science should be mentioned here, I think. So this is why I chose him for this week in skeptical history. Very nice. All right, so uh, with that, I think it's time for us to find out what the Pope has been up to and if Pontus has something to poke him for. Yeah, this week it's actually Pontus pokes the Popes. It's hard to keep up with these guys, actually. What a special to, situation. Yeah, it's like a full-time job. I, I'm happy I wasn't alive or we didn't have the show on during the great papal schism where there was three or four popes at yeah. some point. I don't know. So I have two popes to poke today. Uh, let's start um, with... Uh, take them in order of seniority. So we'll start with Benedict. There's long been... Um, allegations and suspicions that Benedict's involvement in covering up uh, pedophiles during his time as Archbishop of Munich has been uh, kept uh, secret. And this is some time ago. We're talking 1977 to 1982, when he was known at the time, of course, just as Cardinal Ratzinger. There is a new 1900-page report that came out last week that identifies 261 perpetrators and at least 497 victims. And they say it's probably a lot more, but these are the ones that we've found. This report also accused Ratzinger of wrongdoings concerning at least four of those involved. And among them, there was specifically one Reverend Peter Hullerman, which is not how you pronounce it, Annika, because he's German, so I think it's more like <laughs> Peter Hullermann. Oh, what you... Yes. <laughs> that sounded yeah. more like a Nordic thing. <laughs> I don't know. Annika, you say it. Peter Hullermann. <laughs> Peter Hullermann. Okay, that's better. Yeah. That's more German. Thank you. <laughs> so this guy, Peter Hullermann, he was uh, not a nice guy, apparently. I think he's still alive. I don't know. But uh, what do you think that they did with him when uh, they found out that he had been, well, diddling the kids? Moved oh. him to a different place. Exactly. Hate the sin, not the sinner. Uh, exactly. So they moved him to another mm -hmm. place. And where did they move him? They moved him to Munich, where Ratzinger was the archbishop. He was moved there to undergo so-called therapy under Ratzinger's protection and supervision. But he was also allowed to continue to uh, be close to children during this time. Because why not? <laughs> now, Ratzinger has previously uh, claimed that they didn't know about mm -hmm. Hulerman's past at the time. And he did not attend the meeting that decided to relocate him. But this new report says, yes, you were. And actually, you did share that meeting, Mr. Ratzinger. Uh, on <laughs> um, Monday, uh, Benedict had no other choice than to confess that, yes, he was actually there at that meeting. And he blames the confusion on a, quote, mistake on the editorial processing, end quote. I don't Fuck know what, you, that, you I don't know what that means. But that was... <laughs> was a mistake of the editorial processing of a longer testimony that he made a long time ago. And uh, it was some oh, confusion, no. and I don't remember, and I'm a very old person anyway, so please be nice to me. The statement that was released by his secretary on Monday says that, quote, he, meaning Benedict, would like to emphasize that this did not occur out of bad intentions, end quote. That's not the <laughs> point. <laughs> You know, I didn't mean it. Uh, that's a very, very poor excuse, uh, indeed. Yeah. So um, this uh. only proves, or strongly indicates, I should be precise, these things have been known very high up in the Catholic Church all the time, and they just didn't care. And they tried to hide it, and they tried to relocate people, and they didn't. I'm not surprised, but it's still shocking. Yeah. And my thing to say is, if you cover for another motherfucker who's a kitty fucker, fuck you, you're no better than the motherfucking rapist. <laughs> Very, good. Very good. Very <laughs> good. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you came up with that yourself, but it's very good. 
<laughs> no, that's Tim Minchin, yeah, I right? I stole it. I stole it from Tim Minchin, and yeah. I thank him yeah. for this. Credit where credit is due, but uh, good for you yeah. to remember it. Okay, <laughs> next Pope. Pope number two. Current Pope, Frankie, of course. He wants to stay relevant in international politics. We've talked about this before. The Vatican is the smallest country in the world with the biggest ambitions in the world. So the smallest superpower, if you will, or maybe the smallest supernatural country. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, Francis, in an attempt to stay relevant, just had to pretend he has any influence in the Russian-American conflict over Ukraine. And we already mentioned that. It's a mm -hmm. very current topic. The thing is, when these powers, meaning Russia, America, threaten each other, they sort of hint that they should go nuclear. But Frankie doesn't have that. He ha only has one weapon, and that's prayer. So Francis announced a prayer day, and he made an appeal for dialogue to defuse the crisis during this weekly address and blessings to the pilgrims. This is uh, in reference to the Angelos prayers on Sunday at St. Peter's Square. And he said, quote, I am following with concern the rising tensions that threaten to deliver a new blow to peace in Ukraine and put the security of Europe in doubt, with even more vast repercussions, end quote. And then he appealed to, quote, all people of goodwill, end quote, to pray on Wednesday, uh, so that all political initiatives, quote, be for the service of human fraternity, end quote. Okay, one more quote. <laughs> Those who pursue their interests by damaging others are in contempt of his vocation as a man because we're all created as brothers, he said. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anikad, were you created as a brother? Yeah. Yeah, all right. Okay, he's right then. I, <laughs> I take everything back. Yeah, you've got... Yeah. You are brothers, right? In, yeah. in, your, yeah. in your family. Yes. Again, yes. again, Frankie <laughs> totally ignores that... A, Half the population of the human species are not brothers and they don't care about fraternity. He's ignoring half the population. Crazy. Mm. And he's done that before. And um, some of us, not me personally, but some of us were actually created as sisters, not as brothers. Frankie. <laughs> yeah, or as non-binaries, but however, you know. Exactly. Like, yeah, that's the other thing. It's not that is right. that the Pope... Uh, but now you're demanding too much. That. That will take yeah. a yeah. very long yeah. time before the Catholic Church will acknowledge that. Yeah, that's true. But he would never go nuclear, but he can really go ballistic, right? So is <laughs> <he's laughs> that's absolutely crazy. <laughs> All right, thank you very much, Pontus. Thank you. Let's move on to the news. Yeah. And we'll get the depressive news out first. Okay. Because there was a Czech folk singer that died after catching COVID intentionally. Yeah, I heard about that. How did she do that? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. The folk singer Hanna Horka died after catching COVID on purpose. She's Czech and was from the folk group Assonance or Assonance. She was only 57 and unvaccinated. She got Obviously. infected through her family and both of her family members were vaccinated, but she got infected intentionally to get a recovery pass for venues. The case numbers in the Czech Republic are very high. Last Wednesday, they were 28,000, more than that. <laughs> that was just a rough estimate. Her son and her husband, who caught COVID over Christmas, didn't isolate. Because she didn't want to. She stayed with them to have fewer restrictions after after catching COVID. And her son says she felt better, dressed to go out. But her back started hurting, so she lied down and died within 10 minutes. Wow. So Oof. very, very quickly. Yeah. He said he, she choked. She choked to death. And she didn't believe in conspiracy theories, so she wasn't thinking and talking about microchips or so. She apparently just didn't take COVID as seriously as she should have mm. and thought that the vaccine would be like more harm than COVID itself. That's, that's sort of a conspiracy theory to me, because yeah, that yeah. implies that the vaccines are manufactured without checks and balances and 
either with the intent to do harm or with the, the carelessness that we don't care if it's dangerous. And both of that is conspiracy theories in my yes. book. I think it was also the case of a loving son not wanting to talk badly about his dead mom. And to be mm. honest, like just my personal opinion. Right. Yeah, probably. But he, um, he did he did acknowledge that she was wrong in her yeah, choice, he did. right? Yeah. And that that's exactly why he went out to the media and talked about it because he wanted to pretty much tell others to get vaccinated to not so that no no other mother no other son and have to suffer and no other family have to suffer like he is doing that right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good for him then to really yeah. To yeah. do that. And it's interesting to see that the Czech Republic is a bit behind on the European average in vaccinations because 63% in the Czech Republic are vaccinated and in Europe we have an average of 69%. Mm. So that's just like one, one interesting thing to note there. Right. Oh, by the way, it's just hot off the presses that uh, we have an Olympic gold medalist who died i think yesterday mm-hmm. as of the, wow. this recording he was among the people who denied the severity of covid as well right and uh, who was that his name was uh, silvester cholain and um he was an athlete and um there are contradicting reports as to whether he was or wasn't vaccinated but he spoke out very loudly against vaccination and this whole pandemic situation, according to him, not being as serious as we are being told. Right. So, so it's likely that he wasn't vaccinated. Yeah, very likely. Uh, what sport was he in? This is a Hungarian guy, I, I assume. He's a Hungarian guy. He's a Hungarian yeah. guy. Hmm. Yeah, he was a gymnast and he won a gold medal in uh, 2000 in, uh, in Sydney uh-huh. in okay. the men, men's rings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, too sad. bad. It's really tragic, and the the other story, of course, as well. He was fifty one. <laughs> fifty one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, there's no age to die. Yeah. No age is an age to die, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Related to that, there's a new study out about what links, what makes people not trust vaccines. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is that it's confirming, again, something that we shouldn't really be surprised of as skeptics, but it's good to have the scientific uh, confirmation of it. So it's from the BMC Public Health. That's the Biomed Central. It's a conglomerate of uh, several dozen online research journals. Several of them are open access, which we like, of course. But they have published a research paper looking into what makes people distrust vaccination against COVID. Around 1 in 10 eligible people in the UK, they looked at the UK population, still haven't had a first COVID vaccine dose. So why is that and how does that correlate with other factors? The study controlled for many factors looking at age, gender, marital status, ethnicity, educational qualifications, employee status, household living arrangement, yada, 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 a lot of different uh, things to see what they could find. And this was their main findings. People with lower levels of education were more likely to be unwilling to take a vaccine. Clinically vulnerable respondents were more willing to take a COVID jab and self-employed people were less willing to get vaccinated compared to employed people. And people who've claimed to feel positive about their financial well-being were almost three times as likely to take a vaccine compared to those that were just getting by or were struggling financially. So the main conclusion from the study was that building trust in the public sector and government could be the best way of improving vaccine uptake. And that all makes sense. If you feel betrayed by the authorities and you feel you don't have any reason to trust them, then you're more likely not to trust them again when they tell you that you should get vaccinated. Then there is the question, how do you build this trust? And then the, the study goes into suggesting such things like engaging citizens in consultations and focus groups, 
and to have frequent and transparent communication, maintain high ethical standards, etc. But that's just speculation, actually, in the study. This is what they think about. That's not something that they investigated in the actual study. We, we, that remains to be answered, and we will we'll see. But, but the, the conclusion is not surprising. If you distrust the authorities, you also don't trust them when they tell you you have to take the vaccine. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah, something else people lose trust in is God. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Doesn't sound that bad. <laughs> well, That's for us, we're, I, think, I think we all feel a bit of schadenfreude when we hear that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, a bit. Yeah. We're just joy at the misfortune for all the um, listeners who might not know this German word, this wonderful German word. <laughs> but what I wanted to talk about is that, according to a study, a lot of people lost faith in God over the course of the pandemic. Interestingly, you would think that normally trust and faith in God and needing prayer and stuff would go up during crisis, right? Mm. That's when you need God, really, to save you. Oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now, it also apparently gives you, it's easier for you because it gives it a purpose. It gives it a meaning. There's a reason why you're suffering. Yeah. Um, because the benevolent God makes you do it, you know? Yeah. Grandma died because of a reason and uh, probably exactly. because God loves her so much. He, he yeah. wanted her Children by his side. Are, hmm. Exactly. Children have cancer because God is so good. No, but sarcasm Craziness. aside... The German survey found that the faith in God in Germany went down. In the US, the pandemic was strengthening the faith. But in this survey, nearly 5,000 people in Germany were surveyed in 18 months. At the second wave and later, so after I would say roughly half a year of pandemic, praying, trust in God and meditation all decreased that fell together with an increase of COVID-related stresses and a decline in well-being. So, like, I, I think you could summarize it in complete mental health differences. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. there, it goes through the whole population. So, it's both in older and younger believers and both in Catholics and Protestants. I found that really interesting. And I also got a number for you. In the beginning, 3% of the surveyed people said they lost faith. And in the end, 21.5% said that. So that's that's an increase. Yeah. What the scientists thought could also be part of this is that because of COVID, you couldn't go to church. So you had to severe all your social bonds with your community in real life. So yeah, like I know that, for example, family members of mine that are very religious, they still do like Zoom church. But we all know that Zoom is not the same thing. That's right. So and God never shows up on those meetings. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's what I was going to ask, whether a Zoom church, is it something when you could directly connect to God or do the same gathering as you usually do with uh, your other church, fellow churchgoers? Or, but God is equally absent. <laughs> In both right. cases. <laughs> and you have to bring your own crackers. <laughs> your own yeah. crackers, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think God doesn't have Bluetooth, so sorry, oh. guys. Yeah, but I found that really interesting, and I will, I will be excited to see how the whole religion and faith thing will play out over the course of, yeah, the next years. That's true, because I, I'm a little bit surprised, and still not, because... As you say, when things are very rough, that's when you need, quote unquote, you need God more than than ever. But then if he doesn't deliver the goods, he doesn't make it better for you, then maybe you just lose faith. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, but losing faith is more difficult than, than gaining it. Yeah, I guess. You tend to forget all the misses and you yeah. just consider the hits. But I think it's it's also like my personal opinion is that it's easier when it's your personal fate to mm. get more religious. But if it's a general thing that the whole world suffers under, that you're just like, oh, fuck this shit, if you know what I mean. Right. <laughs> and whereas like if, if it's your own fate, then you may be like, oh, God, please heal me. And that you think they're more important and that prayer will be answered. 
You may I, have. I don't know. Maybe I'm completely wrong there. No, no, you may have a point. I think you're onto something, maybe. More research is needed. More yes. research is needed. Yeah, yes. Scientists yes, listening yes, yes. to this, please, please do research. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. I have an anecdote about that, maybe related. My paternal grandmother was born in 1906. So she's been dead for quite a while. But she she was alive when the refugees from the Second World War came to Sweden after the Second World War. So coming directly from the concentration camps. And she <sighs> lost her faith then. Okay. Not because of any rational reason. She was still... I wouldn't call her a skeptic by any, any stretch. But uh, she was so angry with God that he let this happen. That he, she basically said, fuck off, God. Uh, she wouldn't have used those terms. But um, basically, <laughs> that's what she did. And maybe that's mm. a little bit what's happening now. When it's so bad and God apparently doesn't do anything against this pandemic, or not enough at least then um, people lose their faith. It could also be like an actual personality trait. And I think I want to ask my psychology friends, <laughs> because I think for some people, it actually strengthens uh, their faith if, I don't know, their kid is sick or something really bad happens to them. And for other people, they lose their faith. So I would be really interested in like how and why that is, how that happens and why that is. Yeah, you could so, easily see it going yeah. the other way as well, right? I, I yeah, agree. exactly. That's. Mm. I think I think there's really more research needed. So. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, thank you God for fixing the cataracts on Sam's mom. That's <laughs> another Tim Minchin quote here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, I'd like to finish the news round with a positive thing, a very, very positive thing. I'll start out by mentioning how much we love the conversation. I mean, in general, the conversation, but we're talking about <laughs> the, website. Uh, the, the website. And uh, the Conversation UK started in 2013, and they recently received their one billionth read, Ooh. which is... Absolutely wow. amazing. They are being republished. Uh, they encourage people to republish their articles for free. It's all under Creative Commons license. The mission of Conversation is to put the word out about science and scientific research and the latest. So it's all the experts that are publishing there. So it's it's really, really cool. And so one of the, their patrons is a professor by the name Sir Paul Curran, who's a geographer. And uh, there is an award bearing his name for excellence in academic journalism. And in 2021, that award goes to, okay, Katian Gianti. And I'm really hoping that that's the way that uh, the name uh -huh. is uh, supposed to be pronounced. So she's a senior lecturer in the history of science, technology, and medicine at King's College London. She published articles on the history of resuscitation, how snake oil got a bad name. So she goes into the history of where it all comes from and how it became synonym for something really bogus. She writes about vaccine hesitancy and she wrote articles about how the vaccine is not alone in itself to eradicate the virus because there's a lot of other things that we have to do, including educating the public. And that's what she does. And um, she is one of the um, initiators and uh, leading contributors to a project that is called Healthy Skepticism and it's funded by the Wellcome Trust. And it's all about things that are health-related and uh, sometimes questionable, but sometimes there is more to them than meets the eye at first. So this is a very good project to consider for skeptics all around Europe, because we tend to be very quick at dismissing things just offhand 
because they sound bogus and without actually going into the details and trying to figure out if it holds water. So she's doing exactly that. And on the conversation, she publishes a lot of articles that educate the public perfectly. So there is a lot of praise going to her work about all this. And uh, they mentioned a couple of names that made to the shortlist as well. Uh, Most of them are from the UK or they do their work in the UK. And uh, so congratulations to Katyn Genti. Yeah, I have to mention that there is a silver cup that comes with the prize. Mm-hmm. With two handles, it reads the conversation. So Paul Curran Award for Academic Communication Excellence. So again, congratulations and keep up the good work. We will continue using the conversation as a reliable source of information. If not for that, it's also since, yeah, it's it's because the experts are writing very well occasionally. This is a good example of good science communication. And then it's a good starting point. It's like a stepping, stepping stone for mm. reaching the scientific publications that uh, these experts have come up with. If someone listening to this hasn't yet found and uh, discovered the conversation, it's about time you started reading it. <laughs> Great. Very well deserved. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that brings us to the end of the news round. So let's find out who's been really wrong lately. Right. So I have a world record, new, sensational, unique, really Ooh. wrong today. Because, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, for the first time ever, the same person <laughs> will get this award two weeks in a row. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so someone came up with a, with new shit. <laughs> same okay. guy, new shit. So people who oh listened <laughs> last week uh, will remember that the receiver of the really wrong was Novak Djokovic for his mm-hmm. uh, shenanigans uh, with uh, trying to sneak into the Australian Open with misleading information about his vaccine exemption status, yada, yada. So tennis player, very famous. Also, he made uh, several very stupid remarks in the past, even before that, indicating very clearly that he is an anti-vaxxer. What I also mentioned in passing last week was that he, together with his wife, is the majority owner of a quote-unquote biotech firm in Denmark that is developing a COVID treatment. It's not a vaccine, but it's a COVID quote-unquote treatment. And after our recording, it was um, revealed that this is a very suspicious company indeed. First of all, the name is QuantBioRes. Which actually, if you're a skeptic, it says it all. So the, the name indicates quant, quantum, right? Biological something resonance. So quant, bio, res. And it should raise all the red flags you have in your skeptical toolbox. I, I, I'm not <laughs> sure about that metaphor, if you have a skeptical toolbox, but you know what I mean. So red flags all around. This is a true quote from this company's website. Quote, at QuantBioRes, we work in utilizing a unique and novel resonant recognition model, a biophysical model based on findings that certain periodicities slash frequencies within the distribution of energies of free electrons along the protein are critical for protein biological function and interaction with protein receptors in other targets, end quote. And I'm sorry if I couldn't keep a straight face reading that because that is such a word salad. <laughs> it, it could have been written by, um, you know, the, the Wisdom of Chopra generator that was created by our friend uh, <laughs> Tom Williamson. If anybody's been ever been to QED, you know Tom. He is a great guy. He is very concerned with flags for some reason, but that's beside the point. He has created this <laughs> Wisdom of Chopra generator. I'll put that link into the show notes as well because it just randomly takes words from Deepak Chopra's Twitter feed and puts them together and creates new <laughs> quotes for uh, fake quotes, but you can't really tell them apart from the real quotes. Anyway, so this is totally nonsense. Uh, it sounds like nonsense. It is nonsense. And uh, Dr. Darren Saunders 
no relation to Richard, as I, as <laughs> far as I know. But he is an Australian biomedical scientist. He said that the approach described on the Quant BioRes website was reminiscent of homeopathy. So it is the resonance of the energies of, of blah, blah, blah. So it seems like our friend here, Djokovic, he has... Uh, it's not just that he's an anti-vaxxer. He's also put a lot of money into something that is total nonsense and uh, <laughs> cannot work, should not work. You, you really shouldn't pay any attention to a company that comes with that kind of nonsense. And then there's a, another famous sports figure to mention here as well, namely Slatan Ibrahimovic. You know him? He's known yeah. also as Ibra, yeah. very famous Swedish yeah. football player. Ah, football player. Yeah, yeah. That's why I didn't know him. He's apparently <laughs> a friend of Djokovic, and he said that everyone should have a choice in getting vaccinated against COVID. He said that he himself has taken the vaccine, Ibra has, because he believes it will protect him, but it should be voluntary. But that totally misses the point. Djokovic was not expelled from Australia because he didn't want to protect himself. He should have gotten it to protect others. That's the point, right? Mm -hmm. So nobody cares. If you want to kill yourself, you don't want to protect yourself. You don't want to wear a seatbelt. doesn't concern a lot of other people. But you should get vaccinated to protect others. And that's why they stopped yeah. Djokovic at the Australian border. <laughs> yeah, I think the metaphor wouldn't be the seatbelt. It would be don't drink and drive, you know? Right, exactly. Because if if you're drunk driving, then you're like risking yourself and others. And, and if you're others. not vaccinated, right. you're doing the same. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Very good. In any case, this week, Novak Djokovic is the first ever recipient of getting two consecutive really wrong awards. <laughs> Even if he gets to, to share some of the glory with uh, Slatan Ibrahimovic. <laughs> Well-deserved, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Okay, so that brings us to the last segment when we listen to this week's quote. Yes, but before we listen to this week's quote, I also want to revisit my segment <laughs> and go back to last week's quote. Because last <laughs> week we spoke about how interesting and how nice the quote would still sound in French, remember? Mm -hmm. And this is how it would sound. La religion n'a fait en tout temps que remplir l'esprit de l'homme de ténèbres et le retenir dans l'ignorance de ses vrais rapports, de ses vrais devoirs, de ses intérêts véritables. Ce n'est qu'en écartant les nuages et les fantômes que nous découvrirons les sources du vrai, de la raison, de la morale et les motifs réels qui doivent nous porter à la vertu. Cette religion nous donne le change et sur les causes de nos maux et sur les remèdes naturels que nous pourrions y appliquer. Loin de les guérir, elle ne peut que les aggraver, les multiplier et les rendre plus durables. I'm, I'm pretty uh, taken aback. That's, that sounds really good, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, thank you very much to Robin who took the time to send in this. And even though it was, well, he says, I can't vouch for this, that it was more of a Canadian French accent. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, to me, it sounds perfect, like <laughs> it was the right accent. No, no accent is <laughs> wrong for us. So thank you very much. Thank you, yes. And this week's quote is a translation by me, <laughs> and it's quoting Lydia Benecke, forensic psychologist and skeptic from Germany, and the quote is as goes. The main problem is that you're playing facts against emotions. Neurologically, facts will always lose. Our brain is processing feelings much stronger than factual information. Ooh. Mm. Yep. That's very, very... Yeah, that's very yeah, fitting. I, I think it is. that's what we see that all the time, that you can't yes. argue with emotions. Yeah, exactly. That's the reason why conspiracy theories are so successful. That's right. And you, you can, I can even see it in myself. If I feel yes. very passionate about something, it's very hard for me, even as a skeptic, to logically get myself yeah. out of something that is wrong. Yeah. 
but at least I'm conscious about that fact. So yeah. maybe I'm a little bit, uh, but I wouldn't say I'm immune against it. We all <laughs> react emotionally first, and then we yes. want to rationalize why we feel like we feel. Yeah. All right, but I feel that um, we should probably finish this episode. Yes. <laughs> at some point. <laughs> All right. That's just a feeling, but uh, <laughs> I really feel grateful for you guys being here with with me today, Annika and Pontus. Thank you. Likewise. Yeah. And I am grateful to our listeners as well for tuning in. Please keep doing so. And until next week, goodbye. Tschüss. Hello. Bis dann. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe It's all going to be Pontus, Pontus, Pontus in This the, is in the, the Pont- in the Welcome to the Pontus show Pontus pokes the podcast Pontus pontificates <laughs> Pontus pokes the podcast That's good Thank you, Annika Actually, it's pronounced Yeah Occasionally, we are, uh, me and my sisters, are being referred to as the Pinter sisters uh, mm-hmm. because there are three of them and there's only one of me. I Great. think Pinter sisters should be called Pinsters. Pinsters. <laughs> I, I think the Pinter sisters, weren't they that had this big uh, hit way back in the 80s? Oh, that was the Pointer sisters. Oh, sorry. I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. But building trust in the public sector, I will say that again because that didn't come out right. the main (laughs) conclusion I'm going to be very happy when you get back to European time Annika because I'm I'm too tired to do this at 11 o'clock at (laughs) night this is the last one Pontus this is the last Last one one. I I haven't complained before and I will not do it again (laughs) but I'm just blaming that Uh, you shouldn't pay that for you shouldn't pay any but what what isn't you should What is it that you shouldn't pay? You shouldn't pay... Attention? Yeah, that's right. That attention, that's right. And you shouldn't pay (laughs) any attention... We really need to get get back to to recording this a little (laughs) bit earlier. (laughs)